Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Awesome. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Father, we thank you for being so good. Father, we thank you for being so loving. Father, I pray for everyone who is watching this or listening to this service right now. Father, even though we are not gathered together, we are gathered together in spirit. Father, I pray that as we worship you, that you would unite us in heart and in spirit, and that we would worship you together from a genuine and sincere heart. Father, I pray for the, the health and the, and the security of, of those who are, who are struggling right now, Father. Father, there's many who are sick, and so, Father, I pray for their healing. Father, I pray for protection of those who, who are in danger of getting sick. Father, I pray for, for relief for those who are, are grieving and, and for those who are suffering. Father, I pray that you would take care of each and every one of us, as I know that you will. Father, we love you and we thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your love for us. Father, I pray now that you would soften our hearts to be receptive to your word, that you would open our mind to understand it, and that you would give us the, the, the wisdom and the ability to live out what you teach us. Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are journeying through the, the Bible and we're following along this idea of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is weaved throughout the scriptures from the beginning to the end. God is our king and he has revealed himself to us as our king. And he has invited us to enter into his kingdom. Last week we looked at Abraham who was the father of the nation of Israel. God came to Abraham and he promised to bless him. He promised to make him a blessing. He promised him descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he promised to make him into a great nation. And that through him all the nations on earth would be blessed. And so last week we looked at him and, and one of the reasons why God chose him to be the father of the nation is because of his great faith. See, Abraham was saved not by his good works or his good deeds, but God saved him, justified him because of his faith. And so God taught him and all of us that in order to enter into this relationship with God, in order to become a part of this great kingdom, that we enter it through faith. And so Abraham had a son in his old age, Ishmael, but he didn't have Ishmael with his wife Sarah. And God promised him that he would have a son with his wife Sarah in his old age, and that through that son he would give him the blessing, that the blessing of the nation would come through his second son, Isaac. Now, Abraham at first kind of pushed back against God and said, please, please, won't you, won't you accept Ishmael and, 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 bless, and give the blessing through Ishmael? And God said, no, 
It's going to be through Isaac. It's going to be through you and Sarah. You, you too will have a child. His name will be Isaac, and the blessing will go through him. And so Abraham agreed and, and blessed Isaac. Now Isaac also had two sons. Isaac married Rebekah, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins, Jacob and Esau. Now, when she was pregnant, Jacob and Esau were fighting and struggling with each other inside of her womb. So she went and inquired of the Lord and to find out why are they struggling. And God told her that they would become two nations, two different nations, and that the older would end up serving the younger. And so Isaac was very familiar with this idea. Isaac was the younger son, and the blessing came through him instead of his older brother Ishmael. And so Isaac understood what God was saying, that the blessing would go through the younger son instead of the older son. But Isaac did something that none of us should do. He played favorites. Him and his wife, Rebecca, they both played favorites. Isaac's favorite son was the oldest son, Esau. And Rebekah's favorite son was the younger son, Jacob. And so you should never, ever show favoritism in your family. You should never show favoritism anywhere, church or work or, or anywhere. But what happens is when you show favoritism, it ends up destroying your family. Now, one quick note before I, I, I get too far into the story. Jacob... When he was born, when Jacob and Esau was born, Jacob was holding on to the heel of Esau when they came out. And so Jacob was named Jacob. Uh, it's, in Hebrew, it, was a, it sounded like the idea of one who grabs the heel of someone. Um, it, has, it was used as a, as a term or a phrase that meant someone who betrayed someone. Um, so Jacob was, was, I've heard it said he was named heel grabber, and, but in, in essence, Jacob's name in essence meant betrayer. And so uh, that's very important in the story as we go along. But I want to show you real quick um, the book of Genesis. As we're working through Genesis and working through these people, uh, the book of Genesis is divided up, or I divided up into five sections. The first section is the first 11 chapters. It covers the story of creation. Then in chapter 12, we're introduced to the first uh, person in the, in the story of this kingdom that God is establishing. That's Abraham. He's the father of the nation. God promised him first of this, this nation that would come through him. So he is the father. So then we have this main character, Abraham. He gets a very large portion of the scripture. Then his next son through the promise comes is Isaac. Isaac actually gets a very, very small portion of the Scripture devoted to him. We don't actually hear a lot about him. Not a lot is, is taught about Isaac and compared to the rest of the Scripture. The next portion of Genesis is about Jacob. He gets a very large portion. And then the, the last portion of Genesis is all about Joseph. And Joseph gets a very large portion. And so I made this uh, chart either last year or the year before. I can't exactly remember when. But I made this chart and I kind of broke it down uh, by words, the number of words. 
And so as you can look at this chart, you can see the first bar tells you how much of Genesis is devoted to creation. Then how much of the book of Genesis is devoted to Abraham. And then you see a very small portion is devoted to Isaac. Then a large portion again is devoted to Jacob. And the largest portion is actually devoted to Joseph. And so that's how the book of Genesis is divided up. And so last week we talked about Abraham. This week we won't spend much time on Isaac, but we'll talk about him some. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about Jacob. So, let's, let's jump right in. Let's read what happened. Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 45. When Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could not see, he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Look, I am old, and do not know the day of my death. So now... Take your hunting gear, your quiver, and your bow, and go out in the field to hunt some game for me. Then make me a delicious meal that I love, and bring it to me to eat, so that I can bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening to what Isaac said to his son Esau. So while Esau went to the field to hunt some game to bring in, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, Bring me game and make a delicious meal for me to eat so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do what I tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two choice young goats, and I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind he loves. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob answered Rebekah, his mother, Look, my brother Esau is a hairy man, but I am a man with smooth skin. Suppose my father touches me, then I will be revealed to him as a deceiver and bring a curse rather than a blessing on myself. His mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Just obey me and go get them for me. So he went and got the goats and brought them to his mother, and his mother made the delicious food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger son Jacob wear them. She put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the delicious food and the bread she had made to her son Jacob. When he came to his father, he said, My father, and he answered, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, Because the Lord your God made it happen for me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? So Jacob came closer to his father Isaac. When he touched him, he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Again he asked, Are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. 
Then he said, Bring it closer to me, and let me eat some of my son's game so that I can bless you. Jacob brought it closer to him, and he ate. He brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come closer and kiss me, my son. So he came closer and kissed him. When Isaac smelled his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give to you from the dew of the sky and from the richness of the land an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow and worship to you. Be master over your relatives. May your mother's sons bow and worship to you. Those who curse you will be cursed, and those who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had left the presence of his father Isaac, his brother Esau arrived from his hunting. He had also made some delicious food and brought it to his father. He said to his father, Let my father get up and eat some of his son's game so that you may bless me. But his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am Esau, your firstborn son. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. Who was it then, he said, who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came in, and I blessed him. Indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he replied, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. So he said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and look, now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you saved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered Esau, Look, I have made him a master over you, have given him all of his relatives as his servants, and have sustained him with grain and new wine. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept loudly. His father Isaac answered him, Look, your dwelling place will be away from the richness of the land, away from the dew of the sky above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you rebel, you will break his yoke from your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And Esau determined in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When the words of her older son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she summoned her younger son Jacob and said to him, Listen, your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. So now, my son, listen to me. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him for a few days until your brother's anger subsides, until your brother's rage turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send for you and bring you back from there. Why should I lose you both in one day? So Jacob cheated his brother Esau. Remember what he said in verse 36? It says, So he said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me twice now. He took my birthright, and look, now he has taken my blessing. 
Jacob's name in the Hebrew is pronounced Yaakov. This is what it looks like, Yaakov. The word betray is pronounced Akhav. So if you stick them side by side, you can see Jacob up top, Yaakov, betray under, underneath it, Akhav, and they're almost identical. Pretty much the only difference between them is just the vowel sounds. And so you see here, Jacob lived up to his name. And this is really important as the story goes on. And you're going to see why a little bit later. But it's really important to, to understand that connection between Jacob's name and the word betrayer. So, after Jacob deceived Isaac and stole Esau's blessing, Rebekah sent him to live with her brother Laban. On the way, he stopped at night and he had an encounter with God in a vision. Genesis 28, 10-22 says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head, and lay down in that place. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching the sky, and God's angels were going up and down on it. The Lord was standing there beside him saying, I am the Lord. It's important, I just want to point out, when you see Lord, all capitals like this, what it means is, is the word Yahweh. That's God, God revealed his name to us as Yahweh. And so what this says is, Yahweh was standing there beside him saying, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out toward the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely Yahweh is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named that place Bethel, though previously the city was named Luz. Now the reason it's significant that he named it Bethel is because Bethel means, Beth-el means house of God. Then Jacob made a vow, If God will be with me and watch over me during this journey I'm making, if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's family, then Yahweh will be my God. This stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give to you a tenth of all that you give me. So notice a couple things. God, when he spoke to Jacob, God said, I am Yahweh. 
the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, your God, the God of Jacob. He said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. And he told him his name. He said, I am Yahweh. That is my name. I am Yahweh. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. But he was not yet the God of Jacob. And Jacob even makes that very clear. After he has this encounter in which God has given Jacob the same promise that he gave to Abraham and to Isaac, after he has done that, Jacob goes on to say, If, if God provides for me, if God protects me, if God watches over me while I'm gone and brings me back safely, then I will worship him as my God. And so Jacob is not yet ready to surrender himself in worship to God yet. So he makes it conditional. But notice the other thing. God made the same promise to Jacob that he did to Isaac. And he made the same promise to Isaac that he did to Abraham. He promised him that I would make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I would make bless you and make you a great nation. But see, once he made that promise to Abraham, why would it not be sufficient from then on out? Why did he have to again make the same the promise to Isaac? Because again, later in the scripture, when we're reading with Isaac, we see God appears to Isaac and he says the same thing. He makes that same promise to Isaac. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will make you into a great nation and all the nations on earth will be blessed through you. And again, Jacob, the grandson, God appears to him. He makes him the same promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and all the nations on the earth are going to be blessed through you. And so what God is teaching us is that Abraham had entered into the kingdom of God, into a relationship with God through his faith. But just because God had just because Abraham had a relationship with God, just because Abraham was saved and justified through his faith, didn't automatically make Isaac saved and justified by his faith. Isaac had to then make that covenant relationship with God. He had to be make a personal relationship with God. He had to make a personal choice to worship God. Isaac was not by default saved because his father was saved. Isaac had to choose to place his faith in God. And again, Jacob, the same thing. Just because his father and his grandfather were saved and in right relationship and justified by God through their faith didn't make him automatically justified, didn't make him automatically saved. Jacob had to choose to place his faith in God and trust in him to be saved. You don't inherit salvation. So even though God made the promise that he was going to make a great nation through them and that all this blessing would come through them and he would make them into a great nation, his people, being an Israelite or being a descendant of Abraham did not automatically make you saved. It didn't automatically make you justified. Every person has to make a personal relationship and choice to trust 
God. So, Jacob made his condition on that he would worship God if God came through and blessed him and protected him and brought him back safely. So he goes on to live with Laban, which is, which is uh, Rebekah's brother, Laban. He goes to live with him. And he meets him and he falls in love with his younger daughter, Rachel. And he agrees to work with Laban and li- live with Laban and work, work as a shepherd for Laban. And so then he agrees to, to work for him for seven years in exchange to marry his younger daughter, Rachel. And so Laban agrees. So he, Jacob works seven years. And then after the seven years, they have a wedding festival and a feast. But Laban then cheats, betrays, tricks, deceives, however you want to say it, Jacob, by giving him his older daughter, Leah. And then Jacob is upset because he, he tricked him and gave him his older daughter in marriage. But then he said, finish this week of celebration out, and then after this week, I'll give you my younger daughter in, in marriage in exchange for another seven years of working for me. And so Jacob got tricked in the same way that he was always tricking others. And so Laban, he, he agreed and worked. And so that's 14 years that he's working for Laban. Then after that, he asked to be able to go home. And then Laban said, wait, 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 wait. The reason you've been here, the reason all my flocks and herds and everything has grown so much and I've been blessed is because of your God. Please, let's work out an agreement where you stay and, and work for me so that we can continue this relationship. And so he agrees. He ends up working for him another six years. So Jacob ends up staying with Laban for 20 years. After the 20 years was up, he finally, God told him he needed to go home. And so he starts on his way home. As he's on his way home, he stops and has another encounter with God. Let's, let's, look, let's look at what happens on his way back. 20 years later, Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 to 32. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, He struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. Now, in case you missed this, Jacob is having another vision. So, then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, Israel is what that sounds like. It sounds, Israel sounds like he struggled with God. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. 
The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. That is why still today the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. So here is this mysterious story about how God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So the question is, how do we understand how do we understand this story? And what is it that God is trying to teach us from this story? Because it's very significant that Jacob, he changed Jacob's name to Israel, because this is the name that he gives to his entire earthly nation, Israel. And Jacob ends up having twelve sons, and those sons make up the twelve tribes of Israel. So the whole nation of Israel throughout their history, throughout the entire Old Testament and New Testament, their name, the name of their nation, their name comes from Jacob. And it comes from this experience, this, this moment where God chose to rename Jacob Israel. And this is important because he could have just renamed Abraham Israel and given him 12 sons to make 12 tribes. He could have, but he didn't. He could have renamed Isaac Israel, but he didn't. He waited until Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and he renamed him Israel. So we have to understand this is a very confusing story. What's going on here? Why is this so important? And what is it that God is trying to teach us? Well, like I said earlier, Israel sounds like he struggled with God. And so that's why he named Jacob Israel, because he tells this story how Jacob is struggling. It says wrestling, wrestling, struggling with God all night long. And God even told him, he said that he named him Israel because he struggled with God and with men and has prevailed. So what does it mean that he struggled with God and with men and have, has prevailed? And when Jacob asked God what his name, why did he say, why do you ask my name? Why didn't he just tell him his name? Why did he ask, why do you ask my name? So here's what we want to start. We need to start taking this and we need to start looking at the backstory, and we need to start breaking this down to try to figure out what, What's going on with this confusing story? One, we look at Jacob. He struggles with God all night long. He's wrestling with him, struggling with him. And this is this is God incarnate. This is God in a human body. Um, not much different than, than the New Testament when God comes to have a human body and the person of Jesus Christ. This is Old Testament, the same idea. God in a body, and he's struggling and wrestling with Jacob. And he tells Jacob to let go of him, and Jacob refuses. And he struggles and wrestles with him all night long, holding on to him. Now, what we need to understand is this is not WWE, okay? This is not a wrestling match. This is not Jacob trying to hurt God. This is not Jacob trying to grab him and pin him down to show, show God, I'm stronger than you. That's, that, that has nothing to do with what's going on here. We get that from the context Because the context says that the man told him to let go, and Jacob refused. 
So why is Jacob hold, wrestling with God? Why is he struggling and holding on to him? Because he's holding on to God. He does not want to let him go. He refuses to let him go. All night long, God is trying to push him off of him, and he refuses to let go of him. He will not let go of God. And he asks, he, he tells him to, and Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. At, at first, I would have said he's still being selfish. Just like at the very beginning, we saw that he was being very selfish, trying to steal the, the blessing from Esau, his older brother Esau. And he, he deceived. And, and then when God revealed himself to Jacob in the beginning, he said, okay, but I'm not ready to worship you. I'm only going to worship you if you will take care of me, provide for me, bring me back safe. He made his relationship with God conditional. And so at first glance, I would have thought, okay, he's still being selfish. He's just trying to get a blessing. But the more I study it and the more I look at it, the more I realize I I don't think that's the case at all. Because what we see is Jacob is now 20 years older. He just spent 20 years with Laban, his uncle, who tricked him and deceived him the way that he had deceived others. And then when Laban gets angry with him for leaving with his flocks and kids and and wives and everybody and he's leaving to go home, Laban chases him down, gets angry with him, Jacob then goes on to tell this long story and he talks about how the whole time he was with Laban, the whole time he was taking care of his flocks for 20 years, Jacob said, I never cheated you, Laban. When when I was watching your, your lambs, your goats, when I was watching them and something happened to one of them and they died, I would take one of my own and replace them. Replace the one that was yours. I never cheated you. I never took advantage of you. I never did you wrong. And so what we see is the story of Jacob growing up, maturing, coming to his senses. What we see is Jacob changing. He is no longer the deceiver, the one trying to take advantage of and try to get something from, from somebody the wrong way. We now see him living a life where he's doing the right thing, where he's actually trying to make sure that he's going the extra mile to take care of those that he is supposed to be in charge of. And so we see Jacob completely changing. And so now, after his 20 years of maturity, and he's coming back, and he sees God again, the first time he saw God, he, he had this response of, okay, I'll worship you, but only if you prove to be a good God to me. Only if you prove to be a God that's going to bless me in life and make my life better. But the second time we come around, it's a whole nother story. He is holding on to God. It's not a quick, okay, I saw you and 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 now I'm going to wake up. No, it's I'm holding on to you all night long. I'm not letting go of you because I want to know that I am in this covenant relationship with you. This blessing that he's asking for is this blessing that he stole from his older brother Esau. This is the blessing that Isaac gave to him wrongly. This is the blessing that he deceived his father to get. This is the blessing of making a great nation through him for all time. And so Isaac 
is asking God for this blessing. And in essence, what Isaac is doing is he's trying to hold on to God. He doesn't want to let go of God, saying, I don't want to let go of you until I know that me and you are in this right relationship forever. That you have accepted me into this great nation. That I have entered into this kingdom. That you have. That I really do have this blessing that I deceived my older brother to get. I want to know that me and you are in this relationship together. I'm not letting go until I know that you are going to bless me. In other words, that you are going to approve of me, accept me. And so then God asks him the question. He says, okay, after all these years, after all this time, after you stole the blessing from your father by deceit, he then asks him, what is your name? And that's a very pointed question. Because the first time he asked him, when, when Jacob got the blessing the first time, his father was asking him, what is your name? And he lied to get the blessing. He said, I'm Esau. And his father asked him again, are you really Esau? And a third time, he said, are you really Esau? And so three times Jacob had to lie to his father and pretend and lie and say that he was Esau in order to get the blessing. So now he's wrestled with God all night and he's asking God, I'm not going to let you go until I know you're going to bless me. And so God asks him the question, what is your name? And Jacob has to make the choice. Does he say, I'm Esau? Or does he come clean knowing that by saying, I'm Jacob, he knows he is not the rightful heir, or at least he didn't think he was, of the blessing, and so therefore he could lose the blessing. But Jacob has now grown up. Jacob has now matured. And so Jacob humbles himself and says, I'm Jacob. And then God says, you are no longer Jacob, meaning deceiver, betrayer, trickster. He said, you're no longer that guy. You are now Israel, the guy who struggled with God all night long, who wouldn't let go of God all night long until you knew you were in right relationship with him. You're no longer the betrayer. You're no longer Jacob. You are now Yisrael. You are now Israel. And so God blesses him, which he knew he was going to bless him all along. But just because God knows doesn't mean we know. Jacob still had to mature. Jacob still had to grow up. And Jacob still had to come to a point in his life that he would quit trying to betray, quit trying to trick, quit trying to pretend, and that he would be honest and sincere with God, and he would open himself up to God and choose to love and be genuine with God. So 
So after, after this encounter, Jacob then goes on the next day to meet up with his brother Esau. And he's terrified. He's scared to death. And so every time that we see that Jacob has this encounter with God, it's in a time that he is terrified, he's scared, he's, he's helpless. The first time is when he was sent away from his home because Esau was going to kill him. And then he was gone and then he had to go and live with his uncle Laban. And he encounters God in the stairwell. He sees this stairway going to heaven from earth to heaven. And he sees, the, he sees it open up. And this is a time when Jacob has nothing. And he's scared. And he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what's going to happen when he continues on his journey. And so it's a time when he's struggling. He's struggling with people and he's struggling with his relationship with God. Are you a God that's going to provide for me? Are you a God that's going to bless me? Are you a God that I can trust? And so he's struggling with God. And so then he goes on to live with Laban. 20 years he sees how faithful God is to him. 20 years he sees how much God blesses him. And on his way back, he's about to encounter his brother Esau again the next day and he's scared again. He's scared that his brother's going to kill him. He's scared that he's not going to make it. And he's struggling with men again, but he's also struggling with God to trust him. God, you said you were going to bless me. God, you said you were going to make me into a nation. God, you said you were going to care for me. Are you going to save me from my brother tomorrow? Are you going to save me and my wives and my children? And so he's struggling with God and with men. And yet he prevails. He holds on. He doesn't give up. He doesn't let go. And he chooses to follow and worship this God through faith. After he meets up with Esau the next day, he has a good encounter. Esau doesn't try to kill him. Esau tries to welcome him back home. And after he meets with his brother and realizes that God is still looking out for him, God is still protecting him, this is what we read. Genesis 33, 18-20 says this, After Jacob came from Padan Aram, he arrived safely at Shechem in the land of Canaan and camped in front of the city. He purchased a section of the field where he had pitched his tent from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of silver. And he set up an altar there and called it God, the God of Israel. So here's the story of a man who was a cheater and a betrayer to his brother and father. Then he encounters God. But he only agrees to worship him if he takes care of him first. But after being cheated by his uncle, we read that he has changed over the 20 years spent there. During doing the right thing by his uncle and not cheating him while shepherding his flocks, then he comes face to face with God again, but this time he will not let him go. He holds on to him all night long and refuses to let him go. He again asks for the blessing, but this time he comes clean and he tells him his real name, Jacob even though by doing so, he knew that he may not get the blessing that he so desperately wanted. God did bless him. And then we see that Jacob 
now Israel, no longer refers to God as the God of my father Abraham or the God of Isaac. We read that he refers to him as God, the God of Israel. Jacob, now Israel, has made the decision to follow and trust and obey and accept God, Yahweh, as his God. And so I think uh, the last thing that I probably didn't mention was after God had asked Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob had to make the choice of being honest or trying to lie again to get the blessing. He chose to be honest, knowing that he might lose the blessing. And he said, I'm Jacob. Then he renamed him. You're no longer the deceiver. You're no longer the betrayer. You're no longer Jacob. You are now Israel. Then Jacob asked God, What is your name? And then God mysteriously says, Why do you ask me my name? And he doesn't answer him. And so then you have to ask, What's that about? Why do he do that? And this is why. I don't have it pulled up, but but earlier when I was giving you the scriptures in the beginning of the story, the first time that Jacob came and saw the stairway of heaven going up from earth to heaven, and Jacob said, this is surely the house of God. This is a stairway to heaven. This is where God and his angels come from heaven to earth, and this is their, their doorway. This is, this is a holy and sacred place. This is the house of God. God spoke to him there, and God told him more than once, he told him his name. He said, I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. The God of your father Abraham. And then at that moment, Jacob said, Okay, if you will bless me while I go on this journey, and if you will bring me back safe, then I will worship you. God did that. He did bless him. He did bring him back safely. He was faithful to him for 20 years. He was faithful to him and blessed him. And Jacob said several times throughout his time there that God has shown me unconditional grace and favor that I don't deserve. He said God has blessed me. He knew that Yahweh had provided for him and cared for him. And then when he had this second encounter and God asked Jacob, What is your name? He had to ask him what his name was because Jacob had lied and deceived about who he was to get the blessing to begin with. Jacob lied about his name to originally get the blessing. And so then when Jacob asked God, what's your name? God was saying, why are you asking me my name? I told you my name. I was never deceitful with you. I never deceived you. I never lied to you. I was honest the first time I told you my name. You don't have to ask me what my name is. You know it. And he did know it. And so he knew that God was faithful. He knew that God was trustworthy. He knew that he could count on anything that God said. If God said it, he could take it to the bank. And that's what I'm telling you today. If God said it, you don't have to ask Him again. You can believe Him. You can take it to the bank. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God said it, it's true. It's trustworthy. 
and you don't have to worry about him deceiving you or tricking you or lying to you. And God has said that if you will come to him in faith, that he will forgive you of your sins. You don't inherit salvation. You're not a Christian because your parents are a Christian. You're not a Christian because your family as far back as you can remember has always been a Christian. You're not a Christian for any other reason. You're not a Christian for, because you've done a lot of good things. You're not a Christian because you, you were raised in a church. You're not a Christian even because you went down an aisle or you got baptized in, 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 a, in a local church somewhere or you signed a card. You're not a Christian for any of those reasons. You can't do anything to earn your way into heaven. You only enter into the kingdom of God through faith. And God has said and promised that if you will call on Him to save you, if you will place your faith or trust in Him, that He will wipe away your sins, that He will accept you into His kingdom, that He will adopt you as His child. But it has to be genuine. It has to be real. It has to be sincere. You can't lie to God. You can't deceive God. You can't trick God. You have to be genuine. You have to be honest. And we see with, with Jacob, who was named Israel, which the name means he struggled with God and with men, but he struggled, the name literally is he struggled with God. We see this process of Jacob where he, he didn't accept God to begin with. He, he, he wanted God to prove himself first. But then he finally came around. He finally grew up. He finally left his old deceptive ways. He finally matured and he finally came to his senses. And he finally realized that he wanted God more than anything else. And he held on to God all night long. And he would not let go of God until he knew he was right with God. And that he was not just the God of Abraham and Isaac, but he was then also the God of Jacob. And so God wants you to be saved. God wants you to enter his kingdom. God wants to be the God of you. And so God has invited you into his kingdom. He's invited you to give your life to him. He's invited you to turn from sin and turn to him. He's invited you to place all of your trust in Him. And you can trust Him. You can trust anything that He's ever said. He is trustworthy. Let's pray together. Father, we love You so much. Father, we thank You that You are trustworthy. Father, we thank You that you are a God who we can take your word and count on it. We can live by it. We can stake our life on it and we can stake our souls on it. Father, we, we thank you for your love for us, that you desire a relationship with us so much that you made a way for us to be saved. And so, Father, we do want to enter your kingdom Father, we want to enter into your kingdom and you be our king. We want to serve you. We want to live with you. We want to spend eternity with you. And Father, you have promised to be more than just a king to us. You have promised to be a father 
that you would not just accept us into your kingdom, but that you would adopt us as your sons and daughters. And so, Father, we want more than anything in the world to join your family, to spend eternity with you. Father, I pray if there's a single person that's watching this with us this morning or or listening with us, that if they don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are right with you, that they have been justified and forgiven, that they they are, 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 are adopted as your children, that they would do nothing else today until they know for sure that they have asked you to forgive them of their sins, that they have made a decision to turn from sin and to enter your kingdom, to love you and to trust you with all that their heart and all that they are. And Father, I pray that 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 you would guide them into a close relationship with you as long as, as they are here. Father, that you would guide them to a church and get them plugged in so that they can grow to maturity and faith and then turn around and share that faith with others and bring more people into your kingdom. Because, Father, you want to see your kingdom grow. And, Father, we want to see your kingdom grow. And so, Father, we thank you for being such a good king. We thank you for being a king that loves us so much that you would send your son to this earth to die in our place so that we could be forgiven. Father, we thank you. And Father, we love you. And Father, we, we, we are struggling now in this time in our world, and you know. You know all of our situations and what we face each day. And Father, as we struggle in this world, Father, we hold on to you. And we hold you close. And we won't let go. And Father, we know that you are holding us too. And you won't let go of us. And so, Father, we thank you. Father, help us through this time. Help us to navigate this life. And to never turn our back on you. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. Amen. I ask you and I beg you, if you are giving your life to Christ for the first time in this moment, that you would let us know so that we can help you grow in your relationship with Christ. That you would email us at yatesvillebaptistchurch at gmail.com so that I can respond to you personally and help you to, to take the next step of growing in your relationship with God. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying for all of you. I love you so very much. I look forward to worshiping with you in person again one day. Until then, I'm praying for you.